Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your Daily Dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, February 6th. And can we all have a round of applause for Los Angeles getting their ish together? So my boys are back at school and I can finally, finally get a little bit more done. Yesterday, (laughs) I got a lot of DMs and a lot of comments. Those parents out there that understand this like issue when you have kids home for, I guess in LA, it's called a rain day. In other cities, it's a snow day or whatever, you know, the case may be. I work outside of my house at my house, right? So it is basically a, a external office. I have to go through my backyard to get to my office. So I feel like I'm separated from them, but I'm, you know, here, I'm home. When I go inside after just a couple hours of my boys being home from school on a rainy day, what, you cannot write the kind of shit that you see in like, it, it's unbelievable. It's like, uh, savages, right? Savages. They go through the house. They go through the snacks. There's, there's wrappers everywhere you look. And then there's, there's cups and there's bowls. And just why not put the peanut butter out there with the the thing open? And, you know, meanwhile, Murphy, my dog has eaten an entire burrito. I mean, it is like a frat house gone wild in two hours. So I am so happy that I have left my house a certain way. And when the show is over and I go back in, it will look exactly the same. You understand if you're a parent, welcome to the show. Those who are new here, so many new subscribers, so many people that say that you listen to the show every single day at the exact same time of your day, right? A lot of people, it's the afternoon or the evening for you because, you know, I air the show at 11 a.m. Pacific time every day. So by the time it goes online, if you're only an audio listener, you're listening in the afternoon. A lot of you guys, I'm driving home with you after work. So be careful, drive safely. And then a lot of you guys, I hear that I'm doing dishes with you. Scrub, scrub. I love to do a dish. I always, always have a podcast in my ear when I'm doing dishes, when I am uh, cleaning, when I'm doing laundry. I mean, there's always something going on. I don't understand complete silence. It's really hard. It takes a lot for me to even not put my headset in during yoga to listen to either a book or a podcast. That to me is like my thing, right? Lots of questions. Do I have a casita? Well, Gina... Gina Kirschenschneider, Kirschenheider, um, she and I have a casita. <laughs> this is not a casita, no. This is just like a, we call it a bonus room. It's like an office. Um, but, you know, you never know. Shanyan, Shanyan and Travis are just hanging out right over there. Oh, Shannon's part of today's stories, you guys. I have a lot of stories. Oh, this is so fun to see what you guys do. Doing dishes, doing laundry. I love to make lunch when I'm with you. Post-lunch entertainment. Um, Debbie says she stopped Real Housewives of Potomac for the fifth time to watch this. And honestly, you may not want to turn it back on. Potomac is a show for me that I'm really struggling to even cover because I notice I don't have enough to talk about. Every time I've been talking about Potomac, I notice it's like a three-minute recap, which is just not a good sign for a Real Housewives show. It was supposed to be talked about yesterday. I push it to today, and I don't even know if I'm going to cover it. 
because I just feel like we'll have to see what our timing is like and we'll play it by ear. So let's get into the show. Before I get into some crazy, amazing, good stories, we have so many. I just want to talk about our first sponsor of the Daily Dose of Donna show this week, and that is Row Body. We're all about looking good feeling good, working out, eating healthy. I am a big fan of moderation. I work out every single day, at least six days a week. Um, Just this morning I was doing, oh, what was I doing today? I was doing lower body, lower body, heavy, heavy, heavy weights. So I'm a big fan of moderation. I eat healthy, but I also, I love it. I love sugar. Like I have a sweet tooth. So it's all about, you know, finding the right thing for you. And if you guys are out there trying to lose weight, trying to struggle, like trying to figure out what's going to work best for you, you may want to consider the Row Body program because Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Row Body program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes. So you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And there's a lot of support throughout the process. I'm a big fan. Shout out Teddy Mellencamp. All of you guys are going to say, oh my God, she's a fan of All In by Teddy. I didn't even say that. I'm just saying that I believe in accountability. I think accountability is everything. So you will have uh, people helping helping you through, you know, getting your insurance paperwork done and getting the medication covered. You have your provider on demand for any uh, questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, no going out in the rain and just sitting at home listening to my show or watching my show. So it kind of works. Uh, Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for the first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash Donna, row.co slash Donna, D-A-N-A. Thank you, Robotty. The stories are a plenty. There are so many and they range from big ones to stories that have absolutely uh, no, like shocking that I'm going to talk about it, but I always find stories that I think you guys would be into because they're niche, they're random, but I'm interested in them. And I'm just like, If I am, maybe someone else is. Okay. Did you guys see that Derek Huff and his wife, uh, Haley, finally opened up and and put her on camera since this horrible, horrible um, hematoma that was found in her brain just after, I think it was the middle of December, end of December. So if you guys remember, I went to the um, Dancing with the Stars finale. that day. I saw Haley, his wife. The next day they flew, I don't remember where, DC, somewhere like that. And when they were there, that was where they, um, you know, she felt very dizzy after one of their performances. They do all these dances. She felt very dizzy and she ended up going to the hospital and they found that she had basically a hematoma, which was pulling, oh, I hope this is not like you know, trigger warning, but hematoma, which is like, it was pooling blood, basically um, a large hematoma that was pressing down on her brain. And so she ended up having to go through emergency surgery. So we didn't really know the details of it. We knew that it was obviously a tough recovery. We'd seen Derek like, you know, emotional about this when he accepted an award at um, the daytime Emmys. So we clearly know what was going on, but did you guys realize like she had a full brain surgery. And so they released a video. She had to shave her head entirely. So her hair is very, very short. Um, 
And it says she also gave her viewers a glimpse at the long scar running along the top of her head. You guys, it is a scar that looks like, um, it looks like here, I'll show you a picture and hopefully you can see it. Um, sometimes it's, it's sometimes hard to, um, to zoom in on this website, but I'm showing you. So it almost looks like a, a hair part. It is such a long scar across the top of her head. And I really hope for her case that, you know, well, it doesn't even matter because at the end of the day, the truth is, is that it's all about, you know, living safely and living healthily. And thank God she was able to, you know, find this in a way that it didn't get worse because we've all heard horrible stories about aneurysms and hematomas or whatever. But basically, um, the long scar, which was from the surgeries to release the pooling blood. And it's, she says, it's been wild going from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. But I have to say throughout this experience, this, uh, Derek said, this woman has been unbelievable in her perseverance and her acceptance of the whole situation, her strength. It's been remarkable to witness firsthand. She really is a miracle. And it's been miraculous and still a journey. Um, she said that things were still up and down for her. She has really good days and really bad days. She's um, both emotionally and physically sometimes, but she is improving. She said there's a lot of progress. And, um, you know, listen, at the end of the day, just like we said, health is the most important. None of this other shit matters, right? None of this other stuff matters. And I think as as for her, thank God she has an incredible support system. She obviously has an insanely amazing supportive husband and they are handling it. And she's young enough that she can hopefully recover without, you know, any major, major issues. So I'm thinking about you, Derek and Haley. I've met them both. Um, remember Derek is in my neighborhood. He's just up here in Sherman Oaks. And we used to go to the same yoga class and Haley would be there and also F45, all our gyms. So I really hope that they're okay and everything, you know, they get recovered or they recover. So, okay. Next story. Did you guys hear that the Super Bowl is this weekend? Can you imagine if one of you guys were like, what's the Super Bowl? Obviously we know about the Super Bowl. Okay. So it's this Sunday. Do you guys care about the Super Bowl? Is that something you're interested in? I, When I was younger, all I cared about were the commercials. As I get older, I care about the, um, the performances and the commercials. And this year, I kind of like the idea of the game because the whole Travis Kelsey of it, of it is just kind of interesting and exciting. And um, I'm down to, you know, watch it. But Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer have already there's like a teaser or a release of a commercial. This is the thing about the Super Bowl. There's always these commercials that people just go crazy for. So we know that there's one with Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer. We know that there's Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts commercials. We know that there's um, Jenna Ortega's got a commercial. Like a lot of really big deal people had um, had big, uh, you know, have big commercials coming out. So I'm curious if you guys are going to watch. Oh, this is my favorite part of the Super Bowl every year. Is doing the squares. Do you guys know about the squares where you basically you take a big poster board and you go 10 and 10. So it's like a chart. And then everyone picks a square or four squares, like depending on how many people you have at your party, because there's a hundred squares and you 
just say bet or buy each square for like $5. Then you put numbers in a, in a bucket, a hat, a bowl, whatever. I usually have the kids pick. You pick out a number and then you add, you put the numbers across and then below. So they're not in the right order. And if your square happens to land, just say on a seven and a zero, and the score is 17 to zero, you know, at the end of first quarter, you win. So it's it's a really uh, fun way to get very invested. I think what I've learned about myself that if there's money on the line, I am very invested at all times. And if there's no money in the, on the line, then it really just depends on who the characters are. But for this, I love gambling with sports because then I get into it. Like I want to know, either I want to know backstories, I want to watch the documentaries on HBO, I want to know be, like behind the music stuff, and I want some money on it. And then you've got a very, very attentive person um, in the audience, always watching because, you know, it's nice to win some money at the Super Bowl, even if you're just at your friend's house. Okay. So let's, that's, okay. So that's um, the Super Bowl ads. Oh, you guys, let's talk stalkers. You know, we're true crime lovers here. If we had this show back in the day when this was going on, when the, when the, the situation with uh, Selena and the singer, Selena, and her stalker, Saldivar, Selena Quintanilla's killer, Yolanda Saldivar. Do you think, can you just imagine, you guys, what would happen in the podcast world and on the Daily Dose or the YouTube shows if this was happening in 2023, 2024? Like, we would be so all over it. So Yolanda, who was Selena's stalker. And if you ever watch the movie Selena, bitty bitty bum bum with J-Lo, um, Selena, her, she, she was killed by her number one, you know, obsessed stalker fan. She was the president of the fan club. She spoke out, Yolanda, after 30 years from behind bars in a documentary clip. In 2025, she's eligible for parole. Remember this, you guys, she was president of her fan club. Sometimes those big fans, you never know. She had shot Selena, who was only 23 years old in Corpus Christi, Texas in March, 1995, when Selena confronted her about embezzling funds. Yolanda was only 35. Why did I think that Yolanda was 55 or 60 at the time? Like, do you guys remember this? I feel like when I look back at it, I remember Yolanda being like a grandma, but she really did look like a grandma. This was a picture of Selena and Yolanda. I mean, Yolanda does not look 35, in my opinion. Yolanda looks 55. Selena doesn't even look 23. So she was uh, guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. Now that she's edging toward, towards her potential release date, she insists it's time to set the story straight. Um, Oxygen is releasing a two-part docu-series titled Selena and Yolanda, The Secrets Between Them. What secrets? Yolanda is a, is a psycho killer. What, what kind of secrets do we have? Are we trying to say that they were in some sort of like sordid love affair? That would track for Yolanda coming back and being like, Selena was in love with me. Right? Some of these people. Anyway, I find it like an interesting story. I, I really... Uh, I watched the movie when I was probably a little too young. So I remember being like a little effed up from watching that movie. But um, remember, you know, Selena trusted Yolanda and hired her as a fan um, who then ingratiated herself into the singer's inner circle. 
According to prosecutors at the time, she became a trusted family friend, had a key to the home Selena shared with her husband, and pushed to establish the Singers Fan Club, for which she served as president. Saldivar was also promoted to manage two of the star's outlets, one in Corpus Christi and the other in San Antonio, meaning she had control over Selena's business checking accounts. But operations did not run smoothly after her associates warned her about Yolanda. Um, Yolanda then became very vindictive, very possessive over Selena. And then next thing you know, Selena ended up dying um, by murder. So this is a crazy, crazy story. Um, I don't care what secrets she has on Selena. It's like, you know, in Hebrew, we say Sheket Bavakasha, meaning shut up. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. I'm not interested. Whatever she says, whatever Yolanda says is not to be trusted. I, that's honestly how I feel. I feel like if you're that kind of a person who you ingratiate yourself into this person's life and you become like their number one confidant and the president of their fan club and you become literally possessive and all those things, you are not to be trusted after you murder them. Like whatever you say doesn't matter, right? Do we all agree on that? Zip it, check it. That, Debbie, there you go. Zip it, bend it, snap it, check it. That's my new, I'm gonna do a shirt. Zip it, bend it, snap it, check it. Clip. Those of you know, um, those of you know Kathy, you will know Kathy, zip it, check it. Oh, it's a good story. Well, let's actually take a moment to shout out our second sponsor. The show is also sponsored, as you guys know, by BetterHelp. I wish Yolanda had access to BetterHelp back in 1995. You don't know what that could have been done in 1995 when you were, you know, um, going through your very, very challenging time, not being able to understand the difference between just being a fan and then being like a, a you know, Yolanda fan. So I think it's important that we all recognize and are have, have a little self-awareness of about things that we could maybe improve upon in our own personal lives. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's rage. And maybe it's um, obsessions. Maybe it is uh, food and body image. Maybe it's your friendships or your ability to be productive or learn what you want to do in your life career wise. So I would say the best thing that you can do is go to therapy because therapy can be a place to work through your challenges you face in every relationship you have that could be with your friends, your work, your significant other, or most importantly, with yourself. I think that BetterHelp is a great way to start. You can fill out this questionnaire online. No one has to know. No one around you needs to have any information that you are going to therapy if that's something that you're shy about. Although why not? We should all be openly going to therapy and talking about it. So if you're thinking of starting help therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. Uh, it's convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you're going to get matched up with your partner, with your therapist, not your partner. But it could be your mental health partner in life. So visit betterhelp.com slash Donna today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Donna. That's D-A-N-A. For 10% off. So thank you, BetterHelp, once again for sponsoring this week. We all need you. You guys, speaking of, I saw an interesting story about Taylor Swift. Speaking of fans and like stalker fans. So Taylor Swift has this one fan who I think she's calling her a little bit of a stalker. Um, let me get the exact verbiage from the article because I want to make sure. 
Um, so Taylor Swift threatens to sue a college junior. She doesn't call her a stock. Oh, yeah, she does. Taylor Swift threatens to sue a college junior who runs a social media account that tracks Taylor's private jet, accusing the man, it's a guy, of stalking and harassing behavior. Now, let's talk about this really fast. So I'm sure Taylor Swift has had a variety of stalkers and crazy fans in her life, and you would understand why she has to be very, very careful. But let's talk about this. So there's a guy, his name is out there. His name is Jack Sweeney, a junior at the University of Central Florida. He runs social media accounts that, so it's multiple accounts, it's not just Taylor, that track the takeoffs and landings of private jets owned by Swifts and other celebrities, billionaires, and politicians. Swift's attorneys wrote Sweeney a cease and desist letter saying she would have no choice but to pursue any and all legal remedies. So basically, this is the, the point of this account. You would wonder, like, why do they do this? They do this because they want to monitor the CO2. It's like an environmental thing. They're big fans of this account that I don't actually know what the account is called, but I've seen like Instagram posts, and I've seen random like forum posts, whatever, where it says this week, Taylor's going from here to here. And this is how, you know, her green emission numbers or whatever. But essentially, the goal is to track the flight, the flight paths of all these planes and helicopters that are publicly owned by these people. It's publicly available um, knowledge. And it's all about the planet warning emissions. Um, He's the first, the college student first went head to head with Elon Musk in 2022 which, for sharing his jet's details. Um, Jack Sweeney, the defendant, basically said, I think it's important to note that nowhere do I intend for harm. I actually think Swift has some good songs. <laughs> I believe in transparency and public information. Um, Taylor Swift is saying, I want to sue, like, this is not okay. I'm curious with you guys, do you believe that this is illegal? Do you believe that this is not stalking? Do you believe that this is something that, um, is, is if it's public, it's out there and like, it should just be out there. I think the, and the important thing is that, um, why these celebrities care that this is public knowledge is not necessarily for stalking purposes because most of the time everyone knows where they're going. Like Taylor Swift is, I mean, I would imagine if Taylor Swift wanted to jet off on a private vacation, she should probably use someone else's jet. That's the truth because if people have access to your public jet information and you want to be private, but if she's flying just say to Tokyo right now, Everyone's going to know that she's going there. So I don't think it's so much more so much for like safety purposes as much as and maybe it is. I don't know. But I think it's more so public persona, meaning um, a lot of these celebrities love to shout green, right? Like they're big fans of saying like, I'm so green conscious and environmentally conscious. This is not just against Taylor, by the way. This is so many people out there. And so they get these headlines about how they're so green and environmentally conscious and what they're doing for the planet. But then this stuff comes out, which basically says that, you know, their carbon emissions say the opposite. And so essentially it's like, they don't want to, they don't want bad press about them is what I think. Right. Um, so I think a lot of people struggle with this information, celebrities, because they're like, I want to come off, you know, in the good possible way, like Tesla, right? Elon Musk makes sense the most because he went all in on Tesla and the electric 
vehicles. I'm, I'm speaking as if like I know anything about these electric vehicles. But Lance, for example, is obsessed, right? Cybertruck obsessed. All he wants is an electric vehicle. He owns one. He wants me to get another one. I have a hybrid. Anyway, the point is that it looks bad for Elon when you're all about electric, but you're flying a private jet. But also, you guys, what are they supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? Are they really supposed to go on a commercial flight every single time that they fly? I mean, they're flying constantly and all the time, right? So so next time when you see Taylor Swift on a Spirit Airlines flight, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So I found it a little interesting just because today's episode is all about stalkers, I guess. All about obsessed and stalkers. Okay, on to the next. Oh, shout out to my West Coast correspondent. You guys, I've got my East Coast correspondent, Molly Dare. I've got my West Coast, Coast, West Coast correspondent, Kelly Goodman. I posted this morning a reel that Mauricio had done, Mauricio Umansky, to sell a house, okay? This is a house that's in Beverly Hills in the flats. I went to high school, elementary school in Beverly Hills. I know this area. It's on Roxbury. It's a $25 million house, if you can only imagine, right? A Spanish retreat. It looks a lot like the house that they're living in in Spain. It's not my style. A lot of you guys love a Spanish home with the tiles and the dark woods and the, you know, arches and stuff. For me, I would love to see it. But if I'm going to spend $25 million on a home, that ain't the home for me. But Mauricio has taken it upon himself to not only sell the home, but he is taking it upon himself to become, um, I guess, to become fully Mexican in these homes because now he's doing all these reels and all these little like short videos pretending to be Mexican, right? The other day he opened the fridge and he's like, Wyoming, why you mean there's no chili? Whatever. He did this like cringy joke. Why do Mexicans say Wyoming? I mean, this is why what Mauricio is doing. I'm not. I'm not creating any of this. I am literally just sharing the story of what Mauricio is putting out there. And then just this morning, I woke up and I saw a reel of him doing like a hello and welcome to the house of Mauricio. Come on in. Oh, in a Spanish home. Okay. I am not offended by it. I don't care if that's it. Maybe it's offensive to some people. I don't, that's not, I just think it's cringy AF. Like I just look at it and I'm like, this is uncomfortable to watch. This makes me feel real uncomfortable. Anyway, he was on a podcast with the guy that is in this video with him. It's another one of his um, agency, real estate agents. I can't, Ben, Zach, one of those names. And he has a, oh yeah, Ben and Zach, I believe have a podcast. It's a real estate podcast in, you know, like bros talking about real estate. Anyway, they had Mauricio on their show. I watched a little bit of their teaser for it. And all I saw was Mauricio going like this. I'm not joking. <laughs> I may have to just show you because you won't believe if this is, if I told you, like you actually wouldn't believe that this is the case, but this is honestly the way he looks. And I, I, I'm so confused. Like, where did this all go wrong with Mauricio? Because I feel like he was he was like the hot one. He was the cool, hot husband. And now we're all like, wait, what are we doing here? Okay, this, this is the video. This is the beginning of the video of Mauricio. Look, just look at what he's doing. Okay, what? I'm sorry, what? And every time I just want to be cringy, I'm going to go like this. I mean... <laughs> uh, I'm so embarrassed for him. So I said, Kelly, I can't listen to this. She goes, I'm on it. Kelly Goodman, shout out. Love you. Mauricio. 
She goes, he repeats that he and Kyle want to be role models for amicably separating. He never mentions divorce. Ever since Dancing with the Stars, he feels skinny and healthy and in shape. And he wants to party, drink, and have fun. He wants a life with balance. He's not on Ozempic. To me, um, oh, this is what Kelly, this is a personal feeling of Kelly, that he thinks he's absolutely the smartest and most charming person in the room. He's lost his humility. He talks a bit about the legal issues that it's over because there's all these huge legal issues about him, you guys. All I know is that I went out with my girlfriends and their husbands a few months ago. Okay, we were at a friend's house and one of these guys, he's very, very big in commercial real estate here in Los Angeles. So he knows all the players, right? And I asked him, what do you know about Mauricio? What do you know about the lawsuit? And he literally straight up looked at me right to the face and said, oh, he's effed. I mean, he said the full word. But I think that there's like some real stuff going on there. I don't know exactly. Um, he talks a bit about the legal issues and that it's over and that he's always learning from, from mistakes. He thinks all publicity is good even, you know, his cheesy dancing. And so far, nothing has negatively impacted his work. That's about all. Oh, also, Dancing with the Stars offered it to Kyle first. Kyle said no, and then they asked Mauricio four days later. Listen, it, it's giving. I've been in a marriage for 25 years, and now I'm single for the first time. I mean, that's really honestly what it's giving, right? He's probably hooking up with girls left and right. He's living his best life. He's got more money than anyone knows what to do with. So he's probably, you know, he's having fun, you guys. He is having fun. Now, when other news about Real Housewives of New York casting, I thought this was kind of interesting. So all these rumors have been going on. And a clip went viral yesterday where Matt Rogers was at, you know, Matt Rogers from Las Culturistas was at um, Luann's cabaret show, F. Mary Kill. That's her show. And he asked, he said, so what's going on here? We're hearing rumors. And the rumors are basically Luann, Sonia, Dorinda, Aaron Leachy, um, Jessel. Aaron Leachy, Jessel, Bryn, and Uba as a friend. So merging of both. So Luann's response is like, oh, I haven't heard about that, darling. I haven't heard about that. But she did say, I'm open. Of course she's open. Luann cannot say no to, uh, you know, any sort of a gig like that. That would be a huge, huge moment for her. So, of course, she's open. But who do you really trust when it comes down to this? I think you have to go to Roni Casting. So at Roni Casting, R-H-O-N-Y Casting, which basically casts Salt Lake City and Real Housewives of New York and multiple of other shows because they work for Shed Media. They say fake news and their um, their caption says, this is to shut all these rumors being perpetuated, I should read, by the blogs and podcasts. Y'all don't even bother to check sources before you run like the wind and it's hilarious. We have amazing women in the mix. And no, you haven't gotten wind of any of them. So cool your britches and just wait. The plan was always to start shooting in the spring. Everything is great and amazing. So calm down. Okay, thanks. Bye. Well, number one, whoever runs the Roni casting uh, Instagram account is a little snarky. Just say there's a lot of like, hmm. like I feel like God, I just got in trouble. Roni casting. But they really missed a moment because they should have said, calm down, take a Xanax right? Like they missed a Ramona. I'm just saying like, they really should have thrown that in there for a second. I don't know why they, they missed like a moment. That was a moment. I would watch that show though. I will say 
All right, let's get into the big stories of today. Uh, two big stories in it. They're both about women on a cast of TV, on a TV show cast, who are no longer on that TV show together, who are all in big drama. So we're going to start with the Trace Amigas of it all. You guys, we got into this last week. Remember this? Vicky Gumbelson was on Jeff Lewis. I think it was Friday. She talked very, very openly and very angrily about Tamara Judge. She and Tamara do not get along. We know this. Everyone knows this. She is going to have a um, a live show with Shannon Bedore, Trace Amigas, no more. Now it's Dos Amigas y Doug Buden, right? The two of them are going to about eight cities across the country. I don't know specifically when, where. I'm sure you can find it on the website. Doug Buden is, is uh, from Jeff Lewis Live, an actor. He is emceeing and hosting the show. And I'm sure they're going to sell. And I'm sure a lot of people will go. That's not the problem. The problem is the drama between them and Tamara Judge. Obviously, there's issues. The Trace Amigas, you know, got broken up. And Vicky's big story during Jeff Lewis, which I talked about last week, was that not only did this come from, like, Tamara didn't talk to them directly, according to Vicky. Tamara went to their manager or their tour, you know, events person. That was the story that Vicky had said, which she was very upset about. But the other story that she had talked about on the show that was really, really upsetting to Tamara later was calling out Caden, who is, now I even feel bad saying the person's name, but it's Tamara's 24-year-old social media manager slash assistant. Okay. Vicky's story was that Caden had basically gone in between because he was helping Shannon and Tamara out in their social media, gone in between and shared private information about Shannon to Tamara. So Tamara finds out about this by watching. I mean, this, I'm pretty sure this is exactly what happened. She, you know, Tamara Judge follows me on Instagram. I have a few of the housewives that follow me. Um, Emily Simpson just followed me yesterday, so I don't know what is going on over there. Maybe they're all talking about it, but Tamara follows me, okay? And so she must have opened her phone and saw my reel talking about Vicky Gumbelson on Jeff Lewis. The reason why I think that is because she immediately commented like very, very obviously upset in my comments and then sent me a bunch of DMs. She wasn't mad at me, but she was like, this is bullshit. I can't believe Vicky is still lying. What the hell? Why is Vicky lying? She's such a liar. I'm sick of the lies. So then Tamara went online and I posted the reel on my stories. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw it. I mean, on my feed, I'm sure a lot of you guys saw, but she went on her stories and she said, I'm so sick of the blatant and effing lies. This is not the case. Like, um, and then to bring up my social media manager, my friend, my assistant, Caden, who's been nothing but amazing to us. And Eddie and I, you know, look at him like a son and I'm so not okay with it. Okay. Now you guys are cut in the middle. It is unbelievable how smack dab in the middle you guys are. Team Vicky or Team Tamara. Half of you are obsessed with Tamara and think Vicky's the worst. And half of you are obsessed with Vicky and think Tamara's the worst. Or I should say third, third. And then third of you are like me who think both have been wrong and both have been right. And both are really entertaining to watch. So I listened to Trace Amigas last night. No, not Trace Amigas, Two Teas in a Pod, which is Tamara and Teddy's podcast breaking down this story. 
Obviously, this is a she said, she said story. We all know how good those work, right? One person has one situation or one observation from a situation. The other person has another observation. And then the two of them together usually are not telling the full and complete truth. There's usually another version of it. So that's just normal. It's always going to happen. There's a, a revisionist history that happens in a lot here. But according to Tamara, and Tamara was reading real texts, so I am inclined to believe Tamara on this one. But according to Tamara, she sent Shannon and Vicky both a, a text, or she sent Shannon. Okay, she told Vicky and Shannon together, I don't know how many shows I'm going to be able to do if you guys are planning to take this on the road. I have a busy schedule. This is last year. I have a busy schedule. Um, I'm, you know, I have a few different podcasts. I'm shooting for Real Housewives, lots of work stuff. I don't know how available I'll be. You may want to get another third for, you know, another Trace Amigas basically for when I can't make it. So she was already definitely inserting a little bit of, I don't believe I'm, I'm going to be like the best Trace Amiga for the group. Then Vicky, okay, then the DUI happens. Tamara went to Scotland to shoot traders like the day of the DUI, day after. I remember this so well because I remember going and listening to Trace Amigas. Why do I keep calling it Trace Amigas? To two T's. Because I wanted to hear about what Tamara thought about this DUI. And Tamara was in the airport talking to Teddy just in shock. She's like, I haven't talked to anyone. I have no idea what's going on. I was just on a phone call yesterday with them for work. Like, I have no idea what's happening. So at this point, even before the DUI, I'm thinking Tamara was already slowly starting to pull out of doing these shows. Now, when she went to Scotland, she reached out to Shannon and she basically said, Shannon, I know you want to do these shows. I don't believe it's a good idea. Bravo doesn't even think it's a good idea. A lot of people are insinuating you have a drinking problem that Vicky and I are enabling you to have a drinking problem, that the show enables you to have a drinking problem. It's not a smart move. Now, you could say this for two reasons. Tamara was looking out for her own ass, as anyone would, right? It's a business thing. You would never want to put yourself in a situation where it looks like you're enabling an alcoholic to go and... Because at that time, right, everyone's story was like, oh my God, Shannon has a drinking problem. And... And she could also been a good enough friend to be like, Shannon, this is a really shitty look for you. You shouldn't go out and do this. Now they went and did after Scotland, they went and did, oh no. So while Tamara was in Scotland, the assistant guy, this Caden guy had been kind of con contacting people for Tamara because Tamara was off the radar. She didn't really have access, but she says that this guy knew exactly what um, to do when it came to doing these shows, she knew, she knew that he had enough information from Tamara about whether or not he wanted, she wanted to do the shows. So when she was in Scotland, he was communicating with people. When she gets back, she doesn't hear from Vicky or Shannon. She then hears from Paris, this tour manager, and he reaches out to her. And that's when she decides to say, I will not be doing it because at this point she had heard somehow that the two women were talking shit about her through a podcaster. She actually said there was a podcaster who Vicky spoke to and was talking shit. And so at that point, I decided I didn't want to do the show. So who knows what, who knows the situation? I don't really know exactly what's happening, but I just know that I do believe there's a version of the truth from both sides. Um, 
I do believe, I even said this last week, that when Vicky said the comment, like, why are you going to bring Emily on your tour? Why are you bringing Emily Simpson on your 2T's tour and not me? When you say comments like that, it just screams envy. And Tamara said over and over, and this I kind of believe about Vicky because I like Vicky a lot, but I do think that we've all seen her through the years, that she has an insecurity about her, right? She does struggle with insecurities. And she is like a FOMO person right? There's certain people in life who always want to be invited, always want to be included, always want to attend. And I do think there is a FOMO situation there going on. And so Tamara said, every time someone gets close to me, Vicky tries tries to ruin it anytime. So this is not the first time it's happened and it's not the last time it happened. So I do believe that um, it's a toxic relationship. I don't think there's... They should not be friends, these two. But Tamara was really upset. She called Jeff Lewis. I mean, Jeff basically had said this, that this was going to happen. She called Jeff Lewis crying about it. She was like, I am so sick of having to hear people go on your show and lying about me. I think this is, of course, because Shannon had done it, Kelly Dodd had done it, and Vicky had done it. So um, honestly, can you be a housewife without somehow lying or getting in trouble or getting in the middle? I mean, this is just all the story. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to, be on Tamara's side about the Trace Amigas. That's just my personal inclination. I feel like Tamara has some receipts and, uh, you know, receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots, RPTS. She's got RPTs. RPTs. That's our new word for receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots. She's got RPTs to, pro- pro- uh, to prove it. And Vicky just had stories. So it'll be interesting to hear what happens. But that is where Trace Amigas is kind of... Uh, it's no longer. So we'll have to see. You guys, some of you are going to the show, the Shannon and Vicky show. I'm dying to hear how it is. Shannon has been mom. Oh, I guess there was drama between Shannon and Tamara originally because Tamara liked a post of Alexis Bellino's on Instagram, not a post of her with her boyfriend, Johnny J, John Jansen. It was a post of her talking about her kids. So Tamara's like, I'm sorry, that is not a reason to stopping my friend. But Do we think that Shannon Bedore is not petty? Do we think that any of these housewives aren't petty? I think it's just kind of who they are. So I, um, the the dos amigas y Doug. Dos amigas y Doug. That's how I'm going to say it every time. Oh my goodness, you guys, this story is really, really out there. And I hope you guys are going to be interested in it because I found myself highly interested in this and I didn't even watch Charmed. Now, tell me if you guys watched Charmed in the in the comments. I was, as you know, a massive 90210 fan, a Melrose Place fan. Um, I watched a lot of these shows, but for whatever reason, because of the time of Charmed, because of the year that it aired, I felt like a little bit too old, young, out of it. Like, I just didn't really watch it. Now, Shannon Doherty fan, hello, Brenda Walsh, and then, of course, Alyssa Milano. At the time, I was a big fan. I have my own issues with Alyssa Milano. That's separate. Not, like, personal issues. Like <laughs> She doesn't know who I am. But, but, like, my own personal feelings about Alyssa Milano. So, I don't know. I, I, I'd be interested to know where you guys kind of sit on this. So, this is, according to what I've done, I've done some research, but basically... Remember, the show was Alyssa Milano, Shannon Doherty, and Holly Marie Combs. These are three women who were playing, I believe, sisters, charmed. It was a witch, witch 
sisters. It was an Aaron Spelling CW, or maybe it was Warner Brothers at the time show. One hour drama. They were all these like hot girls, whatever. Then I know that Shannon Doherty was fired after a certain amount of time and Rose McGowan came into the show. So all of a sudden it was Alyssa Milano, Rose McGowan, and Holly Marie Combs. Okay. Years have gone by. The show has not been on the air for so long. However, there's a lot of information that basically has come out. So of course I went to do my research and here's what I came out with. So basically in December, 2020, there's been rumors also, by the way, for years about there being drama in the cast. Okay. Because whenever you put women together, there's always going to be drama. That's just the way I think it works. If you guys notice in just with the podcast world, put two women together, immediately we hate each other. Put a man and a woman together and it's cool. It's all good. No problem. Put two men together. All good. No problem. Put two women together. It's like, mm, we hate each other. We're trying to take each other down. I find it really odd. Um, okay. In December 2023, Shannon Doherty has a podcast called Let's Be Clear. Sounds a little Scientology-like, just saying. Don't listen to it. Should I? I don't know. She's not a Scientologist, as far as I know. She had Holly Marie Combs on her show in December 2023 as a guest in regards to Shannon's time on Charmed and her subsequent firing. In 2024 of February, all four of the actresses attended a Comic-Con with Alyssa Milano appearing and on Friday and the other actresses appearing the other days of the convention. So they separated them. This is very, this is giving Real Housewives of Jersey, right? This is giving the separation of the Team Teresa and Team Melissa. But it's just Alyssa in one, it's just Alyssa Milano in one panel and then the other girls in another. So obviously we've got a situation here. We got to mic the situation Sorrentino, right? Cavs are here. Okay. So essentially what the first issue was is that Shannon, Shannon Doherty, Holly Marie, Holly Marie Combs, and Rose McGowan are essentially saying that Alyssa Milano was the problem. Alyssa Milano sent an ultimatum to producers about releasing Shannon or her. Alyssa Milano was the, the bully. Alyssa Milano was the issue that had, um, that was jealous over Shannon Doherty and Holly Marie Combs' friendships. Alyssa, um, you know, they just had a lot of uh, back and forth. So according to Holly, Shannon, and Rose, Alyssa Milano is the problem. Now, at the time... If you go back, apparently Holly and Alyssa were totally fine. So this is all coming out like years and years later that Holly had some major issues with Alyssa. Now, Shannon has her own feelings, of course, and it makes sense that she would feel like, you know, obviously there was an issue between me and Alyssa and I got fired. But Holly plays both sides, in my opinion, because Holly was very, very close with Alyssa Milano when the show was going on. But now she's going on to Shannon Doherty's podcast and saying that it is totally Alyssa Milano's fault. And that being said, okay. There's obviously some major issues here because these women are in their 50s and they're still fighting over this 20, 25 years later. So couple of articles that have come out about this. Shannon Doherty, there's an article in Variety on February 5th. So that's yesterday. That says Shannon Doherty fights tears while responding to Alyssa Milano's denial of charmed firing, saying there is no revisionist history happening. So on this panel, 
She was alongside Holly Marie Combs and Rose McGowan. It's called MegaCon. Can we go to MegaCon next year? Um, she said that, so basically she was, there were claims that on that podcast that she made with Holly Marie Combs on the Let's Be Clear podcast, there were claims that they said that Milan, Alyssa Milano played a pivotal role in her firing. So Shannon Doherty says, Holly and I were not mean on the podcast. In fact, we went in and we edited out anything that we felt would cause more drama. We simply told the truth because the truth actually does matter. But we wanted to try to save you, the fans, from heartbreak as much as humanly possible. Meaning, we're not all going to get back together. Doherty, who's in treatment for stage four breast cancer, continued, at this point in my life with my health diagnosis, I am sorry if I start crying. With fighting horrific disease every day of my life, it is also incredibly important to me that the truth actually be told, as opposed to the narrative that others put out there for me. Doherty says she and Holly Marie Combs told our truths and we are standing by our truths, adding there is no revisionist history happening. Um, okay. Jonathan Levin is a producer of Charmed at the time. And basically, John, according to Holly Marie Combs, Jonathan Levin went to, um, you know, went to Holly Marie Combs and basically said, we're basically in a position where it's one or the other. We were told by Alyssa that it's either Shannon or, or Alyssa, and Alyssa has threatened to sue us for a hostile work, workplace environment. Um, there was a mediator on the set the entire time that Melissa had brought on. Now, Alyssa then denied these claims about Shannon Doherty at a separate panel at MegaCon saying, I'm the most sad that a show that has meant so much to so many people has been tarnished by a toxicity that is still to this day, almost a quarter of a century later, still happening. And I'm sad that people can't move past it. And I'm sad that we all can't just celebrate the success of a show that meant so much to all of us. Okay. Then she went on Instagram, Alyssa Milano, and said this. No, it's okay because I clearly, you know, uh, I don't want to read all of this. She basically is saying, I am sad. I've worked really hard. This is 25 years later. Um, this is a toxicity. We can't, it's so sad that we can't celebrate it. I understand that hurt people hurt people. My intention is to be a healed person that helps heal people. So that's kind of how I feel. Do I wish that we could all sit on a stage? Yes. Um, I've been very upfront and taken accountability for and apologize for whatever part I played in the situation. And I've been very forthcoming about that, but I don't know how else to fix it. It's heartbreaking. Okay. Here's where it gets confusing. I don't know from you guys in the comments, do you believe that it's Shannon Doherty was the problem or Alyssa Milano was the problem? And this is where it gets confusing. I looked at comments. Like, I want to believe that Shannon Doherty is the, is the good one. I really do. But I've heard too many stories through the years of Shannon Doherty being the problem. I really have, right? She got fired off 9-20. She is a challenging person on set from what I heard from many, many, many people in the years that I worked in casting. So I don't know. I have also heard, this is just alleged, this is just what I've heard, that Alyssa Milano and her mom were very challenging as well. So there's a couple of actress, actresses that I've worked not necessarily with, but I heard very many stories. And a lot of them had to do the ones that worked a lot with their moms. It was a lot of the ones that always had their moms on set with them. Alyssa Milano and um, Melissa Joan Hart. Lots of stories there. I can get into those like 90s shows and all the stories, but there were lots of stories about this. Um, 
Okay. So she was asked about this. She says, um, she talks about the fact that Alyssa says, I will add with absolute certainty that everything was documented. There was a professional mediator and an onset producer slash babysitter who were both brought in to investigate all claims. It was then recommended by this mediator after collecting testimony from the cast and the crew what changes should be made if the show was going to continue. The studio, Aaron Spelling, and the network made the decision to protect the international hit that was charmed. I did not have the power to get anyone fired, and once Shannon left, we had five more successful seasons, and I am forever grateful. To me, that sounds... A little bit like for Alyssa's side, it does sound like Shannon's the problem. I don't love Alyssa so much either, though. So I really struggled with what to believe. However, I went to the comments. Lots of interesting comments. Some of them are actors, big ones. Okay. We have Chris Gorham, who's a very big, big actor, saying, for what it's worth, I've worked with Alyssa twice. We've been friends for over a decade, and this woman is a pro. We have people like, um, I don't know who that is some other person that says that they worked with her. We have people like um, Misha, Misha Collins, who's also a big actor. He has 5 million followers on Instagram. He says, when I worked on Charm for one episode, I was so young and green as an actor that I didn't know what a mark was and didn't know what a blocking rehearsal was. I was a deer in headlights. Alyssa was patient and nice to me uh, the whole time. I do remember there was some drama between the leads on the show, but I had no idea what was going on. I wasn't looped in. A couple of years later, I worked with Alyssa again, da 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 and basically saying, um, no one should be doing anything but forgiving and moving on. Then Mark Ruffalo enters the chat. Guys, Mark Ruffalo enters the chat and says, I've known you for years now. You are hardworking, a great mother, a gifted actor and writer, a hell of a str strategist and organizer, always fighting for the betterment of people's lives and just a very cool and pleasant person. There is no use rehashing the past. It's gone. Wishing you and the whole cast the best. You made a beloved show together and you all mean so much to us and its fans. Um, and the, and the comments continue very, very possible, um, very like positive comments. A lot of them for Alyssa, a lot of them are not very positive. This is the one that stopped me in my tracks. Okay. This is the one that stopped me in my tracks. Krista Vernoff. I noticed this. It was pinned by Alyssa Milano. It says this, there was a great deal of bullying on that set. And you were not one of the bullies, plain and simple. They can spin it how they want, but it's spin. Why is this important? Who is Krista Vernoff? Well, Krista Vernoff is a huge, huge producer. She has worked on, obviously, she worked on Charmed with um, Alyssa and with all of them. But since then, if you recognize her name, she's done Grey's Anatomy. She's done Shonda Rhyme shows. She is a huge American television screenwriter, executive producer. She is, uh, she's worked on Shameless. This is not a person who should not, like, who wouldn't know the truth and wouldn't put her neck out there. That, to me, makes me feel like, because the producers really know the story. So to me, it makes me feel like Alyssa was in the clear here. Interesting. The whole thing is interesting. Holly Marie Combs then goes and freaking comments on, on Alyssa Milano's Instagram post saying, I wish you could have just called me with this. You have my number because you just texted me three hours ago, which is giving like, I feel like we're watching a housewives fight. Maybe they're trying to get on the real housewives of Charmed. 
Like maybe they're trying to get a Bravo show because this feels like kind of crazy. These are 50 some year old women who worked together 25 years ago and they're fighting in public. It feels so weird to watch, but you guys love, you know, public scandal like this. So I felt like this was so up your alley. The final thing that happened today was that Holly Marie Combs finally posted on her own Instagram saying, in the spirit of not being a quiet one or the middle child anymore, I feel the need to defend myself after many of the continuing attacks that have ensued since Alyssa, Alyssa stepped out on the stage and essentially called Shannon and I liars when she was simply asked what it was like to work with Rose. Seth Suffice to say, I'm a little shocked and a little disappointed, especially by the things she posted the next day while texting me sim simultaneously words to the contrary. Sadly, that's not surprising anymore. So apparently she is emailing or texting Holly Marie Combs something and then writing publicly something different. Then she says, but I was raised to be a fighter. I do not need anyone to defend my honor but me. First off, this is not revisionist history. This is just the history that she didn't want people to know about. And the history Shannon wasn't ready to talk about until one month ago. We are all thankfully at the age where people are writing books, memoirs, and telling their life story. No one should have to lie about their own life for the comfort of another. Although I have long wanted the girls to just get along for the sake of something bigger than all of us combined, it was not in the cards, clearly. We're all very different and equally headstrong, which is the essence of charm to begin with. Um, I have often yelled at one or the other to lay off the other many a time, as Alyssa and Rose can attest to. And this was after Charmed. Being the middle child sucks. And it was in the interest of family that I tried to shield the audience from our differences to protect something that did indeed and still does have a heartbeat on its own. Case in point, when Shannon and I went to dinner in Florida this week and the host wanted to tell us how the show saved his life that the show actually helped him get through a very dark time in his life. It's people like him that make all the blood, sweat, and many tears for very much, very much worth it for me still to this day and in this hour. I have a big problem with injustice. I heard that Alyssa said she did not have the power to fire anyone, which is ironically, is ironic because this was actually all about power. Um, then it's going on about the mediator and the therapist. And uh, she's saying that Alyssa is lying, that no one else was actually interviewed by this media mediator and therapist. Um, then it's about other, you know, whatever. She basically said a case Alyssa and Alyssa alone had the power to stop. And when the producer said, okay, we will let Shannon go, Alyssa also had the power to say, no, I don't want that. But she did not. She had the power to say, no, just as Shannon had said, no, I don't want you to replace Alyssa when posed with the same option because she was a child actor who supported a family just as Alyssa does and understood the great importance and responsibility of that. Anyway, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. Talks about Rose McGowan and how they have a friendship and basically the end. OMG, this is embarrassing. Like everyone needs to get offline and, and either don't become friends or just talk personally. And a lot of you guys, you know, I mean, I think this is all happening in the public for some reason. I don't really, in, I find it really interesting and I'm not really sure. Now, one thing that I will say is why is Alyssa the only one that no one is friends with on the cast? That feels weird. We'll have to find out. There will be more. I love that we're kind of like talking about things that aren't exactly um, Bravo and pop culture, but you know, it's fun to, I mean, Bravo and reality, but it's fun to talk about these things because it's all the same, 
right? It's all the same. And this could be the most frustrating thing in your life is when you saw something so clearly a certain way and someone else saw it so clearly a different way. And then you talked about your own personal experience. And because of that, you were called a bully, right? It's happened to me. So we all have experiences like this, Shannon and Holly, no matter what, if they were saying was, you know, technically true or not, it was their experience. And that doesn't make them be mean girls or bullies just to talk about your own experience. Just saying, just saying. All right, you guys, see you tomorrow. Um, On Wednesday, we'll talk about a bunch of new things, obviously, and I can't wait for that. Thank you so much for joining Daily Dose of Donna every single week. I appreciate you guys so much. Bye.